Oh, you had dinner. I did. That's good. Yeah. I can get behind that. We're really good at small talk <laughs> at the short game. Yeah. <laughs> this is some Cracker Jack radio here. guys, welcome to The Short Game, a show where we talk about short games, the kind of game that you could complete in an evening or a weekend, except this time we're talking about games that you could never complete, no matter how long you played them, because they are literally endless. <laughs> it's in the name. It's right in there. This time we're going to be talking about a game that um, hopefully all of you will have a chance to play, because it is now only two bucks. So... Let me introduce all three of my co-hosts, who each of them have spent two of their hard-earned dollars on this game and played it. Reagan, how's it going? Uh, pretty good. I'm two bucks the poorer, but I'm pleased to say that I have the highest score of any of you guys. Two bucks the poorer and the highest score. You took, you wasted no time. Literally the first chance you got to talk. <laughs> yep. You told us about your high school. I knew it. <laughs> Couldn't wait. We All right, in wait. order, in order of alto score, our <laughs> podcasters this week are Reagan Kelly. Oh wait, hang on. I want to say the score because this is a good bit. Oh yeah, guys, this is going to be a great bit. Yeah, this is a where we bit. each brag. It's a great bit where Reagan's to say how high score is. Reagan loves this bit. <laughs> so, in order of Game Center high score on uh, this week's episode, uh, we begin with. Reagan Kelly, 63,199 points. Reagan Kelly, come on down. I swear I'm not a sore winner. I'm just very excited with my score of 63,199 <laughs> points. How annoyed are you by that 9-9? Nine, nine? Oh, it's the worst. Oh, my God. But, you know, I don't know. I, I, like, I like all those big digits. Something about that feels nice and fat. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> Next down the row. <laughs> really? <laughs> Are we doing phrasing? Can we say phrasing? <laughs> Next podcaster is Oh, it, it it would be Nate, I believe. Yeah. Fancy podcaster Nate Heinegger. <laughs> Thank you. I have apparently a a paltry 45,243. Booyah. That is so close to mine. It really is. Lauren Nash, oh, yeah. welcome back to the short game. What is your high score? My high score is 44,783. Well, you shouldn't have gone for that double backflip. I love the backflips. That's why I die hey, all the time. And uh, If it makes you feel better, my 45,000 stopped on a, on, a, on a failed attempt at my first ever triple backflip. I have no idea why I decided to do a triple backflip just in the middle of it. I was like... I'm I'm on top of the world. I'm out chasing two elders. This game is mine. Triple backflip. You can do it. I like barely made it two and a quarter. It was so stupid. But um, how about we introduce our last person, who's not Julia Pike as he appears on my game center, but Shane Kelly. What is your high score? The paltry thirty-eight thousand six hundred and nine. So. I uh, I bow down to all three of my short game comrades as the masters of the slope. <laughs> now, we've been talking about this game all this time and haven't yet actually mentioned the name. Um, Ski free. <laughs> <laughs> Classic uh, pack-in for the Windows PC. 
Ski Free includes high definition graphics and accurate controls using the left and right arrow keys. And although it is a spiritual predecessor of yes, this a, game, Abominable Snowman. <laughs> yes, Alto's Adventure is snowboarding. It's very different. And you might have heard it a lot because people have said it's Monument Valley quality graphics. Uh, it brings a lot of that um, art direction style charm to an endless runner, um, which is what this episode is about, since we've already failed to mention both the title of the game we're reviewing and the topic of the day. Good job, everybody. Top-notch podcasting. <laughs> yes, yeah, so the topic of this episode was bragging. So now that we've gotten the bragging out of the way, is there anything else we want to talk about? Thanks for listening to The Short Game. We'll see you next week. <laughs> well, listeners, you thought we'd gotten the bragging out of the way. Well, this is your editor, Reagan. After the recording, I just wanted to add an update at this point to let you all know that my new high score is actually 130,881 points. Yes, that's right, 130,881. I'm still in the lead. Thank you. Well, today we're talking about Endless Runners. So first of all, we want to define the genre. Um, basically, you run, fly, fall, move in a single direction until you die. Yeah. So it this rules out actually a lot of games that are not endless or not runners. Yeah, and we can spe specifically talk about some of those games in a second. But honestly, like we don't really have to define this that much, do we? I mean, everyone who has a smartphone, which is everybody listening to this show, as far as I can imagine, you've played some of these games. I mean, this is one of the defining genres on smartphones as a gaming platform over the last yeah, I can't, three or four, however, five years. Can you think of a more popular, I guess maybe word games, um, just in general? Uh, match three like, puzzle games like Candy Crush maybe beat this out for yeah, like overall popularity. I guess that's true. Um, yeah. it, it, and it didn't really quite spawn a genre, but the angry birds, uh, physics, you know, uh, score attack level type things. Angry um, birds is a genre all its own. Yeah, it really is. We could do, yeah. we do a season of game. Not that they would be worth listening wow. to, but we could do a whole season <laughs> about the angry birds games to kind of pin this down specifically. I, I think of it as a offshoot of the platform game genre except that it's super simplified because um i think it boils down to the fact that it's hard to do precise controls on a touch screen and when you strip away everything else well what is the touch screen it's one big button and if you can create a game that effectively controls an already familiar style of gameplay the platformer with a single button um you've created something that plays like a breeze on a mobile device or a touchscreen. You can play with one hand uh, and you can pack in a lot of action if you do it right. It's, it's, I think it deserves to be a standout genre on mobile because it, it's a perfect fit for the mobile device. That's a really good point. It's not clunky at all. It's one of the least clunky games you can play on a, on a mobile device in a genre or in a, a, a device full of clunky games. These games are not that. <laughs> it's a game you can play literally anywhere. The most complicated ones on the list 
might have some up, down, left, right swiping, but generally everything is one button or one handed games. Um, oddly enough, they're not necessarily games I would suggest playing on public transportation because you're more likely to bump into somebody and die. But um, at most, you're playing for two, three minutes. So it's really easy to just keep playing over and over and over. Maybe and over you're again. playing for two or three minutes. <laughs> That's how you end up with a score like 44 or 5 or whatever. You're Excuse me. Look at this guy. Is. Look at this guy over here. So many llamas. Excuse me. I will read it for you again. It was 63,199. <laughs> it's a game that you easily lose track of time yeah. in. I think... You're right, but it's an interesting game. Like, it's not uncommon where like the better you are, the longer your game is. Like, that's a real old school like arcadey thing. But this is a real modern adaptation of that, and it is weird that like when you start out playing, especially like with Alto, the ones that can go for a really long time. You, your first games might only be a minute, but I don't know. My high score game, it might not have been as long as it felt, but I was playing for several minutes, mm-hmm. and a trip on the bus, like. I would, if I was in a good run, I would just miss my stop. You know, I'm just like, all right, I'm getting off. I actually have stopped playing a stop early so I don't start and miss my spot. Smart. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the the history of this genre. And I mean, we've got a nice little outline here. Thanks, Laura, for putting so much effort into it because it's actually looks great. I'll be putting a lot of info into the show notes. But um, basically, I think this can all be drawn back to a single game also a mobile game, and that's Cannabalt in 2009. Uh, now, there's there's some historical sort of antecedents and inspirations for Cannabalt, but I think this whole genre boils down to, you know, when I first started seeing games like this, mostly people called them Cannabalt clones before we all settled on uh, on calling them Endless Runners. Do you guys remember when Cannabalt came out? I do. Um, it was one of, I had an iPod Touch at the time, um, so I was really using that as a gaming platform, and um, everyone was talking about the graphics and style, and but mostly the talk was about the mechanic. He eventually invented the genre, um, one-touch gameplay, um, a very cool music track that I didn't bring up in the game music, but almost did. Yeah, totally great music. play it a lot yeah i don't play it a lot anymore but it definitely was revolutionary i still go back to it every now and then now um i it's actually one of the first really really good ios games i think it came out in 2009 although actually it uh it debuted on the web like there's a web version of it that's still available and uh, because the game's so simple i mean it plays just as well on the web uh, as it does on a touchscreen or on like an iphone but you should definitely get the iPhone version of this game because I guarantee you, while you may not play this every day, but you'll go back to it again and again. I still download it onto my phone. Pretty much every time I get a new device, I'll play it a few times on the new screen and they keep it up to date. It still looks great on on like nice modern devices and really great music. 
Um, to give you a sense of Cannabalt, just visually, it's a black and white and sort of grayscale graphics. A tiny little pixelated man who looks like he's wearing a little business suit jumps out the window of a, ha- a high building and begins running along some rooftops. And your job is to tap the screen and make sure that he jumps from rooftop to rooftop um, so that he doesn't fall into the gaps between the buildings. Uh, meanwhile, it seems like something really dramatic and kind of unspecified is going on in the city. Sometimes the buildings are giant you know, are giant mechanical things. Sometimes giant mechanical things will crash through the buildings, destroying them while you're still standing on them. You have to jump through windows and so on. I'm really not very good at this game. My high score wouldn't be anything impressive, but um, I still go back to it and play it every now and then because I think it's just the perfect first example of this style of gameplay and it really holds up. Uh, To put it in time context, this was the same year that Spider, The Secret of Bryce Manor came out, and that's the one that won all the awards that year. I think um, at the time, people didn't know what was going to be influential in the App Store. Um, It would be interesting to know if, you know, 2020, what people would have given it to. Um, Spider is definitely a wonderful game, but this one definitely had a bigger um, influence on how the App Store would move forward. It's a good point. No one did anything with it ever. Yeah. Again. Well, both yeah. of those games were kind of takes on the platform genre for mobile. They're both really interesting. I think Spider is more of a game that might be short game material because it makes such good use of the sort of environmental storytelling that we're so fond of and and things like that. Uh, and I definitely remember in that year, Spider was my game. But in the intervening years, have I played more? Um, arachnoid uh, platformers uh, on my uh, iOS device or have I played more um, uh, Cannibal clones and the answer would be uh, by a, a, a thousand to one uh, Cannibal clones endless runners uh, I did want to kind of toss it back a little bit at that while we're talking about Cannibal to some of the earlier examples of this kind of gameplay Cannibal really did crystallize the idea of one-touch play, constantly running forward, but it was inspired by games that came before it. Uh, in particular, in a uh, in a article I think in the New Yorker, uh, the creator of Cannibal called out the original Crash Bandicoot, which had a lot of kind of constant forward motion, runny, jumpy levels in its sort of platform-style gameplay, um, and a lot of other uh, games, like some things I'd never heard of called Moon Patrol, and also Ski Free, which came on every computer that I never owned in the 90s. So <laughs> there were definitely some previous examples. We played it at school. We oh, did. yeah, we sure did. Yeah, uh, Ski Free and Spider Solitaire, Now, while we're on the topic of spiders. Yeah, Spider Solitaire, the endless time waster. Um, Mm -hmm. He also mentioned in that article some of the levels in Aladdin, the Genesis uh, Aladdin game that kind of did that. And I played that recently. There's some magic carpet levels that do kind of feel like an endless runner. You're moving to avoid obstacles. The carpet's going to keep going no matter what. Um, And it it really does have that same sort of feel. Um, And even you can take that back to like the NES with uh, the infamous level of Battletoads where you're on the, is it like a bike, like a hover bike? Um, yes, mm. I never really played that. I, I played a lot of that game and that was the worst. 
So it's not a totally new idea, but usually it was a small part of a larger game like Aladdin, or it was part of a very simple game. We also didn't mention Pitfall, which isn't an, an endless runner, but you can kind of see the, the seed of endless runners, even in, in games for the Atari and earlier like, like Pitfall. Um, and in fact, Pitfall has been turned into an endless runner on iOS. There's a, there's a new version of Pitfall that essentially is a cannibal clone. It has an exclamation point at the end, which is how you know. It makes sense to me because Pitfall was the genesis of the platform game. And uh, it was a very, very simple platform game. And what is a Endless Runner today but a platform game stripped down? Mm-hmm. So it's great to have that kind of circle back around. I'd I like was actually to- kind of disappointed by that, though. I downloaded Pitfall hoping to play like a, maybe a modern platformer, just pit, 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 pit fall themed pitbull pitbull themed pitbull oh god oh please not pitbull (laughs) uh see it pitfall themed and for it to be an endless runner i was a little surprised there was also a uh like a nascar game that someone at work showed me i showed them alto and they're like oh yeah i downloaded this sweet racing game and it was like an endless runner racing game where you're just on a forever track yeah and and that's something that we'll probably talk about as we talk about some of the highlights of this genre is that there's also a ton of crap in this genre. Uh, I think a lot of people don't take people who take games seriously often don't take this genre seriously because it's just been such a den of shovelware. I mean, there's so many games where somebody has a license to NASCAR, like you said, Nate, or, you know, or they've just figured out how to use Unity or whatever. They have no original ideas and they don't have the skills to pull something really good off, but they think, well, I can make an endless runner and they can, but it's not going to do anybody any favors. You know, there's a ton of really, really bad endless runners, but that doesn't mean that all endless runners are bad. Some of them are amazing. And I think I think that's like to pull it back to Alto for a minute. Like this is the first one that I've played that it felt like more care was put into the aesthetic of the game and the atmosphere of the game than maybe the actual gameplay. The gameplay is great, but it's nothing truly it's nothing new. There's plenty of games that involve backflips for speed and just going fast and things like that. But what set it apart to me from all the other ones is the other elements, how great it looks and how good it sounds and how good it, it felt to play. I mean, the only other game in this genre that I feel comes close to having that crafted feel is Tiny Wings, um, which is another um, left-to-right style game. Tiny Wings was a one-handed game where you played a fat bird. That <laughs> you just you played a fat bird who was too fat to sounds fly. Like a, sounds like a, like a blues term, like... Hey, Jonesy, play a fat bird. <laughs> well, the the fat bird uh, subgenre of mobile games is really dominant. Obese bird with tiny wings, and the poor little dude has to use hills to fly. And so you actually don't jump with the mechanic of you know, the one button. You um, pull your wings into your body, um, and then to try to let gravity pull you tighter to the ground so you can then go up the foot. Uh, Alto is very different where it is a more, if you don't touch anything, you're going to just continue skiing, or snowboarding, mm-hmm. snowboarding, <laughs> snowboarding down a mountain. Um, and you use the control to jump, to avoid obstacles and to do tricks. Mm-hmm. Um, the mechanics are often very similar, do a little bit of a different thing. Um, but the two of them share the crafted art style. Tiny Wings is paper and watercolors. Um, and 
It's wonderful. is the first one of these games that I ever got completely seriously addicted to. And it's because it has a couple of really smart design decisions. I'm not sure if these were things that this game, that Tiny Wings actually invented, but Tiny Wings came out in 2011, and that was right at the start of a really big explosion of these types of games. Um, you know, it seems like uh, Cannibal came out in 2009, and then there was sort of a little bit of rumblings, and then in 2011 or so, there was an explosion of this style of gameplay. Um, and Tiny Wings was the one that really stood out. The big thing that just made it extremely fun was, well, actually, two, two things. There are two things about it that I absolutely love. Um, for, well, three, no, there's two things that I really love about this game. Five, sir. <laughs> three. There's uh, the first, mm, good God. So Reagan, what did you like about Tiny Wings? <laughs> there's the, the ducking, the diving mechanic, which I think has a lot in common with the cape in Mario. It has this sort of swooping to uh, to build up speed and momentum and managing your forward momentum in combination with your up and down swoops that was just absolutely addictive. Um, it worked in Mario and it worked here. And it was a little different, obviously, you're kind of bottoming out in these curved valleys to rocket yourself forward, but it just had this incredible feel to the core mechanic. It wasn't just jump over obstacles or duck under logs or whatever. Uh, it was an actual like little physics puzzle in every single angle that you had to pick to dive. And it was perfect, wonderful. And there was a total skill gain. Uh, you got better at it, like noticeably better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not just like some of the other ones you get better because you're like, you begin to pick up on the on the way it changes and you flick it left at the right time. This one, like being able to drop your tiny bird, tiny, your fat bird into a tiny <laughs> crevice at the, uh, <laughs> baby, at the, <laughs> at the right, raising at the right angle. It was hard because it's very different every time. Very rarely are you going at like the exact same speed at the exact same hill. It's like learning the mechanic of it overall and, and applying it to different little hills was was tricky and incredibly satisfying. I returned to this after a hiatus. Uh, they He actually released what he said was going to be Tiny Wings 2, and he actually just did a major free update to the game itself, which was really cool. Um, lots of little one-off challenges you could, in addition to the base game, you could do races against other um, birds and different kind of island visiting. Oh yeah, I played that. That was great. I tried to visit the core game again, and I... I, I have the highest score in this game among the short game. I have a ludicrously high score. I can't Boo. touch. I can't touch it because I'm I suck at it after taking time off. Mm. Um, this is one of the only games that I've had. I don't know how to explain it properly, but I have like a physical reaction to playing this game, mm. and it's something that like when I hit a a slope just perfectly, I almost like 
I like twitch a little bit, and I don't know <laughs> what it is. It, I, it, this is really strange to even talk about because, like, as I'm playing it, I like, like, I jerk a little bit as I'm playing it, and I cannot explain why. Wait, 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 something wait, about wait. like. So I'm sorry, Laura just pasted her score into the chat, and Laura, sorry, read that off for me again. There, um, my score is one hundred and eighty-four thousand six hundred sixty-eight. What are you pretty good. doing? Oh my god. Okay, sorry. Why do you do anything else? Yeah, it's it's a good 40,000 points higher than everyone else. Why aren't you just like a pro at this? Um Why don't no you one just should pay you something for that? Yeah. You, I feel like I owe you money now. $184,000. Uh sure. Put me on the books. Anyway, I I'm not going to get near that again. The the other thing that I really loved about this game and I th- I've seen this again and again since, but I think the first time I ever saw this mechanic was in Tiny Wings, was that it actually does have some progression and leveling up, and it does that with a really clever system. Obviously, every time you play the game, you're trying to get farther, get more points. But each time you play, there's also a set of three challenges, and those challenges are things that don't necessarily require you to play an amazing run they're just a certain thing like you know in tiny wings it would be things like touch the clouds three times and that would you know that would be something that you could try for while you were playing the game um, as a sort of an additional challenge on what you were already doing and the more of those challenges you completed uh, the better you would you'd get certain advantages in the game, like you'd uh, level up your nest and things like that. In Tiny Wings, what that meant was getting larger multipliers on your score. So the more of those challenges you completed, the better your overall scores would be because you would be able to, uh, you'd get a larger multiplier. Um, And a lot of other games have imitated this mechanic since, and Alto does it almost in exactly the same way. Alto has these sets of three challenges Um, You can complete those three in any order. If you complete all three, not necessarily in the same run, just complete all three whenever you get to it, uh, then you get some sort of benefit. In Alto, there's no score multiplier benefit, but eventually you unlock new characters, and those are really cool. uh, That challenge list mechanic is something that I've noticed in games outside of this genre as well, and just in our list here now, uh, running right down from the top, like Tiny Wings, Time Surfer, Jetpack Joyride, Alto's Adventure, um, possibly others, Race to the Sun, Temple Run. Don't run with a plasma sword. All of them now have that mechanic, which I think origin originated with Tiny Wings. Yeah, I do think, though, you can draw some comparison to to um, the kind of modern roguelike. I don't know what came first, but in other games where when you die, you're done, just like in these, uh, let's say, you know... Um, Rogue Legacy, or what's some of the other ones we've been doing? Like uh, we've been playing Waywards. Yeah, I didn't. It's a good Soul. comparison. Yeah, because uh, or in uh, FTL, you unlock different ships or things like you that. You unlock or, different ships. It's the game you're playing is the same game, but through repeated playing and investing in your like your account or your character or whatever, when you re-enter the game, you're a little bit faster. You're a little bit better. Your sword strikes at a little bit higher damage. Um, Crypt of the Necrodancer, that's a, sh- a game we've covered. That happens. You unlock new things that appear in the dungeons. Like You know it has to exist outside because of, I know, that swear word, gamification, yeah. has been around since before Cannablat, before Tiny Wings, and challenges is such a huge part of that, then I know it's got to be um, a predecessor. Yeah, it's like someone gamified my game. 
I know. How dare they? Oh, you know what this? You know what this educational software really needs? A double jump. How do we double <laughs> jump it? So we've got a lot of other games on our list here, um, and I guess we can kind of attack these in terms of just initially we were going to talk about these chronologically, but they all happen. We should so do a quickly. favorites draft on these. <laughs> okay, I guess sure. I call tiny wings. <laughs> no. All right. I also call tiny wings. All right. This is already a failure. Sorry, and, back and, to work. And also, and, and then we're done. Everyone go home. Um, well, so we could kind of group these. Grouping them by year doesn't make a lot of sense because they all came out in such a glut all at once. So let's talk about them uh, by perspective, by by like the, the view that you are in when you're playing the game. So the first and the biggest category is left to right, uh, which is this, the horizontal scrollers. Um, Tiny Wings is one, Alto is one, um, Jetpack Joyride, which is a really popular one. I played a lot of, but I know other people didn't, maybe. I played a fair Um, amount of it. It was pretty decent, but it didn't have the staying power that a lot of these other games did for me, for some reason. I don't really know why. It's fun. It's got a good sense of humor, and it's got some interesting power-ups. Yeah, the the power-ups, it's silly. The challenges are really funny. I'd I'd actually give Jetpack Joyride credit for one thing that I thought it did amazingly well that very few games do and that is they started it as a they started it as a premium you know paid game and transitioned it to free to play without making it suck um like very few games are able to do that and i, I respected that game for it even if it's not one of my favorites absolutely there, there's another a game i want to call out in this sort of still sort of this left to right while we're breaking it up this way uh and that is a game that i have not played but uh, only because the reviews were very iffy. I want to call it out because it's a Sonic game, Sonic Dash from 2013, which makes it a very late late in the game comer to this genre. And I just want to question, like, why is this genre not, like, chock full of Sonic the Hedgehog? Why The, the Sonic the Hedgehog Sonic Dash is like a spinoff of a console Sonic game. It's like a tie-in mobile game that's like full of in-app purchases is like the reputation that I saw. Why has Sega not made a like a high speed endless runner for Sonic? Maybe break it up with some uh, some uh, Robotnik fights every so often. The two best Sonic games. Well, there's Sonic CD um, and I can't remember the name of the other one, but those two are both ports done by a third party developer who is a fan who then sold the ports, or rather Sega bought the ports and put them out. So the only good Sonic games on the iPad were originally by a single developer who loved the genre so much he ported it. Um, Unfortunately, when Sega's left their own devices, they suck at porting Sonic games or creating their own IP on mobile. That's a really good point. Um, I was stunned how good the Sonic 2 port for iOS was. Same guy. Yeah. It was it was incredible. It was incredibly well done, and uh, like it, it adapted itself to the touch controls really smartly. It wasn't just putting a, a virtual D pad on screen. It just did a really good job of taking this classic game, keeping it as its own thing, and yet making it touch compatible. Um, and it's so obvious. Even if, if you're able to take that and put it onto mobile, why can't there be a decent Sonic? Yeah, why, why couldn't there be a decent Sonic game as a topic for another show? Because good lord, there hasn't been a decent Sonic game since I was a child, and I, I think we all just need to take that, you know, and, and mourn it and let it go and move on. But um, good point, Shane. We, I mean, we've got we've got Freedom Planet. What more do we need? <laughs> you're right. You're right. Moving on. Uh, so we were talking about the different 
different kinds of endless runners. Um, one that up until recently I thought was completely unique was Temple Run, which I think is now still maybe one of the most popular. It's it was it was early in the in the pack. It was 2011. Uh, it had some things that were very unique at the time. It had 3D graphics. It had a third-person perspective that was completely unique at the yeah, time. Sort of over the sort shoulder. A, yeah. Yeah, you were running forwards, not left to right. Crash Bandicoot. Crash yeah. Bandicoot style. Exactly. You saw the back of the person as you ran And forward. it also had power-ups that you would upgrade over time, which I think at the time might have been something I hadn't seen, but I, I won't stand by that. Um. But that became the most popular, and it's also, I uh, to me, uh, the start of some really bad endless runners because it really doubled down on the in-app purchases, which I think is one of the main things that has really ruined this genre for me and and for a lot of people. Yeah, I played a ton of Temple Run, Temple Run Brave, which is the uh, reskin of it that's set you know in uh, uh, in the world of Brave. There's bears. There's Beautiful Scottish glens. Mm-hmm. I've played the arcade version. Did you know there's an arcade version of Temple Run? No. Like with quarters and everything. Uh, no, but that makes sense. Yeah, with quarters and everything. Kids going into a Dave and Buster's these days have never heard of Donkey Kong or, or Ski Miss Ball. Pac-Man. Or even Skee-Ball. What do you mean? You have to use your hands like a baby? Um, but they've played Temple Run. Air and hockey. Put- and they'll pay quarters to pay Temple Run on a big screen. Yeah. Well, the fun thing about Temple Run is it actually brings in some of those extra controls. Um, a left-to-right perspective one we didn't mention is is uh, Don't Run With The Plasma Sword, which has a lot of fight controls that add on besides the jump. Temple Run also has swipe tilt controls, kind of adds a little bit more to the one button. Um, as you progress further and further, you need to have more combinations of this. Um, not every Endless Runner is one button. Just a lot of them are. Temple Run did it very, very cleanly. It was a very natural progression. I it thought. sure did. It combined the swipes for you know dodging left, or turning left and right, with a tilt control for kind of uh, angling a little bit and dodging items. And also, you could jump with the swipe. It was. It had good tight touch controls, which is very important for this kind of a game. Yeah, and for a game that had such mass market appeal and just was. I mean, it was a, it was everywhere for a while. Um, it's actually, there's a lot going on. It's a pretty difficult game to have been such a like mass market success. I think it's the most popular game by far that uses the accelerometer as its primary control. I think there's a bit of an elephant in the room here, and that's that we're not talking about a much uh, maligned uh, example of this genre, and that's Flappy Bird. Um Flappy Bird came onto the scene really suddenly and became this enormous overnight app store success on the iPhone. Inexplicably. And, uh, you know, then there was an enormous backlash against it as well. I didn't make any sense to me at the time. Like, why are people downloading this game? It still doesn't make any sense. Well, it's just a thing that happened. It is a thing that happened. <laughs> I, I, I have some theories. It about was the it. meme of the App Store. Exactly. Yeah, it was a meme. Yeah. The the thing that it did really really well was it made a game that was extremely hard, and so high scores really meant something because the game is absurdly hard to the point where somebody who you know you hand it to them, they think they're going to be able to do okay because it seems very basic and simple, and suddenly they can get a high score of two. Like 
it's absurdly hard. And then the other thing that it did very well was it made that score very easy to share with people. Like it was very easy to tell your friends what your high score was in Flappy Bird. And also it was free and didn't have any in-app purchases. Um, so all of those things taken together meant that it was a game that was able to spread virally very quickly because people enjoyed sharing their score. You know, it was it was actually almost a kind of a weird joke to tell somebody, hey, here's my Flappy Bird high score, because basically everybody's Flappy Bird high score was in the single digits. And then when somebody did get a high score in Flappy Bird, people were still very impressed. Um, I don't like the game, but I actually respect it, I think, more than a lot of people give it credit. Um, All right, everybody, what's your... I mean, it's inevitable now. What's your Flappy Bird high score? Oh, I don't have it mine on my phone anymore. I'm afraid. I don't One. Know what it was. I've never played it. What really? What? Yeah, I intentionally never downloaded it, it's and then free. he pulled it from the store. <laughs> That's he true. It. That was the other big story yeah, about that game. Yeah. He pulled it from the store, which made it this enormous like. But it, it, everyone knew it was being pulled from the store for like a week and a half beforehand, and so it spread like absolute wildfire during that time. It was a really strange thing. He was making 50000 a day off of ad, uh, ads, and he was getting a lot of hate mail from, from people saying that he, their kids were addicted to it, like he's a terrible person for making a game like this. So Why normal feedback a on and, a game. Well, yeah, it's normal internet troll stuff, and he was making a ton of money, but it it actually got to the guy. And some people think that that's like the whole thing was a marketing ploy, and maybe that's the case. But if you take what he said, like for what he said, he actually felt bad for putting on the put giving the world Flappy Bird, even though he was making a lot of money off of it. So now that we've talked about a game that none of us loved, can we talk about a game that I know Shane and I have played oh, a ton yes, we of? Can. Race the Sun. I got it on Steam in a Humble Bundle. It's not an easy game. It's got that light is death timer. You go in that yes. third person perspective, just like Temple Run, and you are flying forward. The game constantly makes fun of you. It's so awesome. I would say it has a lot in common with Tiny Wings because Tiny Wings had this sort of, you know, you, you've got a limited amount of time to play as symbolized by the sun setting in front of you. Um, and and you've got that also in Race the Sun. Uh, it's got that f moving forward perspective, so it feels sort of like a racing game. Uh, but the you're biggest flying. thing... Yes, you're flying, but you're really low to the ground. Uh, and unless you collect power-ups, you can't get any height at all. Uh, but the biggest thing about this game that makes it unique, that uh, it has somewhat in common with Tiny, tiny Wings, um, is that when, you, when you're loading up the game, you and everybody else playing it that day for that 24 hours is getting the same generated world every time you play that day. Tiny Wings had sort of the same thing. You had the same kind of progression of islands every day. You but actually, it was, every day, did get a slightly different look, and the islands were similar that day. So it's actually the same thing. The thing about Race the Sun with these pre-generated courses uh, that you're getting every day is that it's also telling you what your world rank is. And for me, that was super fun because you get to practice these sort of opening moves. Okay, so I've got the first kind of zone, and now 
after playing the game, say 15 times today, I've got one route through that first zone that I've got, I could get it perfect. And I, when I pull it off, it feels great. And then I get to the second zone and I can sometimes pull off a perfect run there. And I get to the third zone and things start to really go wrong. And then, you know, you, you run through that a few times, you get this perfect run and you see, gosh, I'm in the top 50 in the world right now. And I know that there's, you know, four, I, I, when I started, I was in the, I was in the bottom like 400. So it's, it gives you this great sense of achievement. It's got really great kind of twitchy, fast gameplay. You really feel the speed. What do you love about it, Laura? Well, there's two things I love. First, I was sold on this game by the trailer. The trailer, like Super Meat Boy, is just a reaction of people dying. Um, how mad people are when they die in this game. I'm a sucker for those games that you uh, will lose it at the drop of a hat. But the thing that I think is most appealing and most unique about Race the Sun is that uh, when you start the game, you're actually on a very open field heading towards a bunch of different obstacles. And you have the choice to go straight or to pivot right and left. So you can actually um, be playing the same exact course, but rooting your way through a completely different way. It's more open than any other Endless Runner um, because you have that ability to not only move forward, but really move right and left. And a lot of the games that you play have a more set path. There's guardrails on the side of the screen. If you run off screen, you will hit a cliff, run off a bridge, or it's not an option like in um, Alto or any of the forward runners. Definitely. Like all of those games and Tiny Wings included, Alto included, are really um, endless in a sort of a two-dimensional way. And this game is very three-dimensional. You can, you, you're really, part of the game is finding that perfect route. And when you've found a really good route through you know, area one, area two, area three, you're still, you know, you're still dying sometimes in area one, sometimes in area two, exploring, making mistakes. It, it adds this whole exploration element to the game that I feel like really enhances the whole endless runner feel. Yeah, most you can just move right, left, up. I think this game is kind of interesting in that it's a console version of this genre that really began on mobile. And there's only just a few others that I can think of that have made it to PCs and consoles. The only one that I've put a serious amount of time into is Bit Trip Runner and its sequel, Bit Trip Runner 2, which are super, super charming. They do have levels that have ends, so technically not exactly an endless runner as we've been discussing, but it basically plays like one. Um, but it also combines that with a kind of a rhythm game. It has beautiful music, and a lot of the moves that you have to make are done in time with the music. Anamanaguchi. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Is it Anamanaguchi? Is it really? It is Anamanaguchi. I, I thought about putting that into the uh, game music podcast. But... Wow, I didn't know. That's awesome. The music is fantastic in both of those games. I totally recommend uh, Bit Trip Runner 2. I know it's available on Steam, um, and I don't know. I think it's available on, like the uh, previous gen consoles like the PS3 and Xbox 360, although I might be wrong about that. So real quick before we go back to Alto, I want to give a, a quick shout out to 
uh, some of the many quality endless runners out there on the app store. I do play a lot of mobile games, probably more than our other hosts. Um, so some of these are free and I'll call those out. Um, in that uh, left to right runner category, Don't Run With a Plasma Sword and Banana Kong are great. Banana Kong is super fun to give to a child because it's a hulking gorilla who's running through. Uh, there's things like jumping over uh, gaps. You can um, kind of punch through walls. It's really charming. Don't Run With a Plasma Sword has a lot of combat in it. Um, it has a lot more platformer elements than you're used to. Um, also, um, like Temple Run in that uh, third-person perspective, Boson X, so hard. Um, if you've played Super Hexagon... Oh, um, yes, I have. You can... Yes. So it's a blend of Super Hexagon and Endless Runner. Oh. Yeah, you run through this tunnel, and you can rotate the world uh, to move. They stripped out coins, power-ups, costumes. Your entire goal is to explore enough of this tunnel to unlock a quirk or something. It's science-based. Eh. That sounds really cool, though. Science I, I want to give that a try. Um, it's super cool. It's so hard. I'm so bad at it, but it's unique. Um, and there's also a top-down one that's super charming and free called Off the Leash, where you play dogs breaking out of the pound, and as you're playing, you collect more dogs and you get a pack. And there's a power-up where you get double dogs and your size of your pack explodes and suddenly you have like 40 dogs on screen. Um, unfortunately, the dogs get picked off when you run into things. If the dogs hit something, they'll just bark and fly away. Um, that went from really happy to really sad. <laughs> but it's there's actually parts where you like... All the dogs get on surfboards and ride across pools. Oh, I just looked this up. Oh my gosh, the dogs oh, are surfing and they're being attacked by sharks. These the are so cute. The dogs are getting attacked by sharks. Oh, this game looks adorable. This game is adorable. It's totally free. The only I I did take the in-app purchase, which um, lets you just double coins because mm. I wanted to throw them money. Because I liked it so much. That game looks Up great. Leash is adorable. I'll definitely have a link to that um, in the show notes. And I'm downloading it on my iPhone right this minute. It looks really cute. It's so cute. Speaking of really cute, another game that I love that takes some of the elements of this Endless Runner genre and blends them with other things to create something interesting is Crossy Road. Um, everybody was playing Crossy Road for a little while there. So I think you probably have already heard of it. But it's a, uh, it's a mobile game based on Frogger, but with a nice isometric perspective and a really interesting sort of pol low poly art style. Looks really cool. Done. It's an amazing job using the Unity engine, I think. Um, and it just plays like Frogger, but it goes on forever. So it's a Frogger score attack. There's no end to the level. Yeah. You just play until you get to wherever you get hit by a car. It's great. I call that endless, but not a runner. Yeah. Yeah. Crossy Road is another game that falls within the genre of I'm really only still playing this game because I want to beat Reagan's high score, <laughs> which is a specific genre for me and one that I'm usually not very successful at, but the, it, it keeps me going. The game that brought us all to talking about this genre and how much we love it was Alto's Adventure. And actually, it's kind of weird how we got into this. We had initially been planning on talking about a different iOS game this week, and we're still planning on covering it. Um, but Alto's Adventure hit 
right as we were beginning playing it. And I know, at least for my sake, I couldn't stop playing Alto's Adventure long enough to finish the other game that we were going to discuss this week. Um, I just became obscenely addicted to it. And I think a lot of you guys had the same experience. (sighs) I downloaded this game at exactly the same time that I downloaded the uh, game we were planning to review, Space Age. Which we're still totally intending to cover because it looks really cool but it looks great um i haven't played enough of it yet. i have beat your <laughs> score i don't know that i'll be able to do anything but play alto's adventure i mean you know i've i've got a life and that life is trying to beat your alto's adventure score alto's adventure for me it it scratched the itch of a good endless runner it didn't it doesn't surprise me with any of the things that it does it's not a game that reinvents the endless runner genre like a lot of the games that are on our list have i would say it's like the endless runner with a cool tweak like the endless runner up to this point that was my favorite other than race to the uh, race the sun was uh time surfer which would be uh basically cannibal plus uh braid time powers or you know, Tiny Wings, which is Cannibal plus uh, swooping. Yeah, <laughs> swooping. Um, and this game is pretty much uh, just a pretty, pretty spot on endless runner with, you know, skiing instead of running. Uh, snowboarding. And actually, that's the big criticism that it's faced is that it is in many ways gameplay wise almost identical to a previous game called ski safari and i never played ski safari but i know it's really popular nate i think you played it right yeah i played a fair amount of ski safari i really enjoyed the game and that's what i was saying like alto is ski safari less wacky more monument valley and i think it's enough to make it like it's mechanically very similar Though I do think ski safari, yeah, ski safari at times felt faster. It's a little more zoom, zoomed in. There are times in Alto where you've got a real, it's really pulled back, and you've got a great view, pretty, pretty big, large amount of distance in front of you, behind you, and kind of around you. Whereas ski safari is pretty close most of the time. Um, but I felt that Alto was, they obviously cared about different things than ski safari cared about. And it's that atmosphere and the sound and and the tone of the game. And I thought it was strong enough that I didn't care that it really was the same mechanic, which is hold down the jump to do a backflip. I I think you're right. It really brings the visuals of Monument Valley. Not quite, but it has that same level of care applied to it. Um, And it's the same sort of oddly zen aesthetic um, and feel to it that just it, it feels different. It's a it's the endless runner. It's it's ski safari for folks who didn't like the goofiness of ski safari and liked the sort of pure art style of Monument Valley. And the little big details are on point here. I mean, um, part of this game is that your llamas have escaped and that's why you've decided to snowboard down the mountain to get your llamas back. Um, One of my favorite all-time animations in iOS has got to be the llamas going down a really steep ski slope <laughs> on their butts. Mm-hmm. And like as they, they scoot down the mountain so beautifully. That is adorable. Um, it's adorable. And it's... And their floppy um, ears as they run. And they flop. And it's... I mean, 
it's a very lovely side animation to distract you from the rocks you're going to run into Ugh, any second now. Yeah, it really is gorgeous. If you can play this on an iPad, particularly a Retina iPad, I 100% recommend doing that. I, I I played it on my iPhone as well, but the iPad is really where to play this game if you can. Gorgeous graphics. Okay, and if you are going to play this game, here's the thing. All you're going to want to do is do backflips. <laughs> all, all that I ever want to do in in real life is backflips. But here's the thing. You cannot do nearly as many backflips as you're going to want to do. So chill out on the backflips and your runs will be so much more successful. Mm. That's Until you get the character of Maya, who's really great at backflips. Yeah. And also look out for that rock because like, I want to say like, 80 to 90% of my deaths are from either going for a backflip when I definitely shouldn't have been doing a backflip <laughs> or hit or hitting a rock. And that's it. Like I very rarely get in, hit by die by anything else. So occasionally I miss chasms. That's some good life advice from Nate Heininger. Yep. Yeah. Well, I try to abide by those rules in real life. I can't do as many backflips as I think I can and look out for that rock. So one of the things that's getting the most brace in this game is the fact that it has uh, weather. Uh, you can see both time of day. Uh, you can go through sunrise, um, sunset, nighttime. And there's weather. There's storms, uh, snowfalls. And they do make the game a lot harder. Um, something that, as someone with you know, a very active mobile day for work, I often have about 20% battery on my way home. Um, and I try to lower the contrast of my screen as much as humanly possible. Not possible if you're trying to do a night game. You're just going to see, you know, hit rocks because you can't see them. Um, my other minor peeve is you can't play a podcast in the background, which I like doing a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, and there's only one track. So if you're playing this over and over again, um, you can't really zone out and listen to something else and play the game. Um, other than that, those are really... You know, they make a big difference to yeah. me, but other than that, the game's really wonderful. Yeah, I totally. Yeah, agree. I wish there was like a day-night slider for almost for difficulty. Yeah, uh, sometimes the nights are it, it particularly early in the game um, when you're not quite you know a a, a, a backflip machine like I have become. Um, it's really difficult. We get it. <laughs> it's really difficult to uh, to avoid rocks at night because you know it's dark. You can't see them. Um, but, you know, you get better. Much like real uh, snowboarding. I think it's a good yeah, life all, lesson for the kids. Um, but for what it's worth, the game is arguably prettier at night. Or like dusk and dawn and, and the changing of the times. It's it's very nice. And so I, I like part yeah, of me is glad of the that visual appeal. Yeah. Part of me is glad that you're forced into it because knowing me, you know, Darkness is a little bit harder. I just want to get a high score. I would probably just put on the day and probably just end up doing that most of the time when in reality, nighttime is also an experience of the game. And the Some weather... Of my best uh, runs started off at night and then it dawns, you know? And now yeah. once I've gotten like a little farther into the game and things, it, it it's I think it's easier to do... Once you've gotten a little faster, you're really going to want that daylight. So, And you get a boost. You get a point boost, too. That's true. For surviving the night. Oh, really? If you're going to have a good run, it's going to change. Like, you're going to make it from at least night to day or day to night. Like, it's the, the day-night cycle is not very, very long. So the runs that I've had that have been in the 
in the 40 plus thousand points have usually gone from one into the other and i've played a little bit of both so it's kind of impossible to avoid it entirely uh a little bit on the sound design too like the weather sounds really good uh i actually there was a moment when i was playing this game uh with it plugged into my car speakers and it was thundering in the game and it sounded really nice over my car speakers and i don't even really have good car speakers but and no, I was not playing this game while driving. <laughs> I was so, about to ask. <laughs> no, it was it was on a break from work after lunch, and I wanted to try it on good speakers. Yeah, so the sound is great. Go. I think this is something that a lot of mobile games have to put a lot of effort into. If you're going to play a mobile game that has sound, odds are it's going to play a pretty short playlist. You know, one or two songs in the background as you play. This game has one song that it plays, so it has to be both nice you know something that basically anyone will enjoy listening to and help them focus on the gameplay and also just hold up over a long period of time to many 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 plays of the song and and this one does a pretty good job yeah i think so sound is uh very very important to me in video games Uh, just like it is in movies and things like that it's sound is the one thing in a video game that can be absolutely true to life you know, you, you can mm-hmm. not make a game that looks precisely like the real world, but you can make a game sound exactly indistinguishable from the real world. And so it, it really is something that I pay a lot of attention to. This game has beautiful sounds from like the, the sound of your grinding to phrasing. Yep. <laughs> Thanks to the crash landings, etc. Yeah, it, it's got great sound. Um. So any final advice for people who are playing this game or others? Why don't you say it, high score leader? Oh, yeah. You gotta, um, you yeah. Share the, your secrets. Do the triple backflip. So just do it. You. you can do it. Don't, you know, d- don't screw around. Just do the backflip. Right the game over the requires gate. it. Take the risk. Occasionally. Do the backflip. You can do it. <laughs> also, don't do as many backflips. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the opposite of Nate's. Oh, the scarf. The scarf. We haven't talked about the scarf. And, oh, and we briefly touched on it, but yeah, it's great. The scarf gets longer the faster you go. <laughs> yeah. So the more combos you land, the longer your scarf gets, and it gives you a speed boost. And uh, speed boost is really necessary at times. Um, you're going to piss off a guy who's sitting by the fire chilling an elder and that guy will chase you and hit you if you don't go fast enough. He's a real dick. Yeah, he's... Maybe my favorite thing in the game, actually. Like, there's a lot of obstacles in this game uh, and a lot of things to grind on, but, uh, you know, phrasing. But uh, there's... The elders are really a great addition because it adds a chase. It adds something to pursue you. Uh, It's not all the time. You're not always being pursued. But sometimes, you know, sometimes you'd want to take the time to get those crazy combos and, you know, try inventive things with the the obstacles. And sometimes you've just got to go fast to get away from the elder. And I think it varies things up in a way that I really enjoy. Yeah, I think it's the hardest of the obstacles, too. It's... It's the rarest, Definitely. I think, because of that, but it's also the hardest. It's because you're still dealing with the other things. So now you're avoiding rocks, but you're also trying to do as many backflips as possible to get your speed up as enough as possible to get away from the asshole riding like a reindeer or something. I'm not sure what he's riding, but Probably maybe a it's llama. another llama. Yeah, it might be a llama. This game's all about the llamas. Yeah, which is the only one little wacky touch in a game that's not really wacky. 
Well, I think it's it's you know it's on theme. It's clearly like a Himalayan theme thing. You get their garb is all like colorful Himalayas and all the bunting. We get yeah. the just makes me want to go to the Himalayas. Makes me want to be a llama farmer. I thought it was Peru. Is there skiing really? in Peru? I don't know. I have no idea. I think you- Alto does sound more like a per- Peru type name because it means high. Hmm. Yep. I'm feeling. A I assumed alto it was South America. This. Well, wherever it is, they got llamas. They got llamas. Alto's adventure America. is an endless snowboarding odyssey set against a beautiful and ever-changing alpine landscape. Alpine, um, yeah. Alpine just means mountains. That, oh, well, that's yeah, true. That doesn't mean um, anything. Um, I'm trying, I was trying to read this to see if it said anything about the specifics. Where of the are the location. alpines? Um, the game features blah blah blah, fluid, etc. Trick combos. Uh, as players progress through 180 handcrafted goals, they'll rescue runaway llamas, grind along village rooftops, leaf over, over terrifying chasms, and outwit the mountain elders. Yeah, it doesn't really say where it's meant I to just be taken place. South America because of the outfits. Yeah, the outfits do have... I don't know. They seem like... Uh, it's hard to place it. It's, it's, that's as good a guess as any, It's probably... I think you're probably better, more... Uh, more Peru seems likely because of the yeah. llamas, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some hard evidence right there, guys. <laughs> We're going to put this in the, in the follow-up next episode. <laughs> sure. On a Wikipedia llamas... And get back to you guys. Yeah, let's look up the most likely place that has llamas, like on a <laughs> like a llama per human capital capital uh, yeah. percentage, and then we'll at least have it narrowed down. Where where do people farm llamas on top of the world's highest mountain? <laughs> on iOS. Where can people play this game <laughs> in the Himalaya in the Alpine Himalayas? <laughs> yes. So this game uh, was developed by Snowman, which is a uh, a small iOS developer, uh, you know, development house. Uh, Ryan and Jordan. I see their first names on their website, but not their last. I'm sure you can find them if you if you look harder than I am. Um, they've had a couple of other games, but nothing that I've had a chance to play, and nothing quite on this scale. But it's pretty lovingly crafted and. And, uh, came out January 27th, uh, 2015, and it's available now for just two bucks on the App Store, which is an absurd deal. This game has zero in-app purchases, which is a huge plus for games of this type, as far as I'm concerned. Yay. And uh, you can tell that just a lot of love and care went into creating this game. So um, I 100% recommend it. Uh, I recommend playing it on your iPad. If not that, play it on your iPhone. Um got iCloud sync for the uh for the you know save game to make sure that your precious high score is saved in the cloud and synced between your devices and um get it play it it's great and real quick shout out to harry nesbitt who um is the person who illustrated the game oh yeah the illustration of the game is phenomenal and if you go to harry nesbitt's website he's got a lot of really nice sort of similarly styled stuff uh he's clearly got um a real eye only one. He's a Cyclops <laughs> designer. That's why he's really good at 2D art. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Ooh. So um, thanks for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. Um, I have been one of your hosts. I'm Reagan Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Reagan K. Uh, Laura, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Laura J. Nash. And Shane, where can people find you? You can follow me home from the bar. I mean, you can follow me at 8BitShane. 
And Nate. You can follow me on Twitter at NateSTL. And Nate, is your other podcast underway at the moment? <laughs> uh, it's just starting. We've done an episode just the other day. Again, I see there's very little crossover probably between these two podcasts. But hey, if you are a fan of the St. Louis Cardinals and want to hear more of my voice, check out Talking About Birds. All right. And of course, you can follow our show on Twitter at underscore short game, or you can visit our website, www.theshortgame.net, which is the best place to find all of the show notes, as well as all the ways that you can keep up with our show and uh, leave us feedback. We love feedback, and we particularly love feedback left in the form of glowing iTunes reviews. We had several people who actually left reviews citing Shane's meltdown as their <laughs> primary reason to give a review. Oh, thanks, which guys. Which only encourages Shane to continue yelling at you. Do you learn nothing? <laughs> well, that's the kind of lesson that we don't want our listeners to learn. But we will let Shane thank them. If Shane's tirade last time uh, encouraged you to leave a review, keep up the good work. Uh, Shane, do you see any new reviews on the list that you want to call out? I just want to send a personal thank you to Ninja Stalker. Um, <laughs> thank you, Ninja Stalker. Listen, Ninja Stalker, uh, you said some kind things about me, and yeah, your review kind? was good enough. He said, he said that uh, he said you should do yourself a favor and check out our podcast. So I agree with that. And then he asked at the end, "Was that good enough, Shane?" And I say, "Yes, that was a, a five star review. Is good enough, Ninja Stalker." Thank you, Ninja Stalker. Thank you. And uh, thanks to all of our listeners. And join us again next week with another episode of The Short Game. <laughs>